0: Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for
1: all aspects
0: of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay.
2: Can anybody
1: find me?
2: Somebody to
1: love? That's it. That's the song. How's it going, everybody? My name is Jimmy Wong. You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. Uh, I'm your host. I'm your host. Josh Lee Kwai. You said the Jimmy Wong
2: thing in a weird place at a threw I said me. It, I was waiting I said for you it to
1: say. <laughs> afterwards. I also said how's it going, not just how's it? So I'd stole all your thunder. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, Today, we have a fun little topic. Uh, You know, we've done a few uh, topics about cards. You shouldn't play in Commander, overrated cards, but way back in the day, we had some fun times by doing underrated cards. We had Wedge on way, way back in the day. That was a really fun episode, and today is dedicated to cards that you should be playing, but maybe aren't. Yeah, DJ
2: and I did a favorite cards episode while you were gone, so this is great. Jimmy comes back. And now we get another one of these from a new perspective. I threw a few in the mix. Sweet. Can't wait to see what you threw in there. And you know we're going to be talking about a lot of cards today, right, Josh? That's right. And if you want to pick up any of them, well, you know what to do. You go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you order your magic products, singles, whatever, you really are supporting this show. You're supporting game nights, extra turns, all of our content. We really do appreciate it. And right now you can be ordering the Ravnica Allegiance
1: stuff. It just came out. Dude, there's so many sweet cards in that set, mm-hmm. um, especially if you like the guilds. There are tons of awesome two-color things that you can do, so I would recommend doing all of that. Yeah, you want
2: Smothering Tithes. You probably, you know, a lot of you out there are very excited to build a broken Vanifar deck.
1: Well, if you want to pick up all the stuff for that, including those cards, cardkingdom.com slash zone. Yep, and while you're there or at your LGS, there's plenty of stuff to pick up that is related to the Ravnica world. Ravnica Allegiance is just around the corner, so we got sleeves, deck boxes, of course, the Eclipse sleeves. Lots of different things to pick up. Thank you to Ultra Pro as well for sponsoring this show. Yeah, Revenant Allegiance is actually
2: out now for them.
1: Oh, really? That's right. Yeah, That's a good point.
2: Because of our recording yeah. timeline. It's not quite out for us, but soon. Hope your pre-release went well. <laughs> and the uh, final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to... <laughs> Sean Canada.
1: Sean. Kanata. Kanata. Sean you rock. Sean yeah. just recently joined, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, January 13th at the $2 level, so he has access to our Discord where Josh and I are in every single day talking to other people about brews, new cards, spoilers, preview hype, all that stuff. A lot of, why didn't you put this card in your deck? <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I didn't think of it. Followed by, I yep, that's going in the deck. <laughs> Actually, one of the episodes we just released, you talked, some people were like, hey, you should put Entomb in there, and you're like, right. you know what, that is a good card to put in your uh, your Judith deck. Speaking of just released, if you haven't watched it already, the new
2: Game Nights is out, so you should go check it out. It is all the new legendary creatures. Well, not all of them, because we can't have a game that large. Right. Four of the new legendary creatures from Ravnica Allegiance. It's got DJ, Vinny, Jimmy, myself. It's a really cool game, so if you haven't seen that, check it out.
1: All right, now let's move on to the main topic, cards that you should be playing, but aren't? Maybe aren't? Who knows? Maybe you are, actually. By the
2: statistics, I think a lot of these cards, uh, according to EDHREC, are not being played.
1: Right. I also think some of these cards I put on here uh, because a lot of them may be being played or may you know see a lot of play in other formats like standard or modern, which sometimes puts people off of them for whatever reason because they'll cost a little more. A lot of times because they're more expensive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, we have yeah underrated cards, some hidden gems, things that I you know I scound scrounged scound- scrounged scrounged scavenged scavenged, scavenged and scrounged together is scoundged I scounged the internet. scounge of the throne of the throne scourge of the throne. <laughs> Judith the Scour- scounge diva. <laughs> Scounge Diva. (laughs) Scounge Diva. It's like grunge now almost. Um, But yeah, we've separated these cards into sort of some different categories. And I'm going to discuss alongside Josh here why they might be worth a slot in your deck. Especially, uh, there are some times that people need budget options for cards to fit into their decks to brew with. Other times, this is more rare. There's like an empty slot and you're like, what should I put here? Yeah, yeah. Um, That never happens for me. It's always the other way around. This first one actually, I
2: debated for a long time putting into that judith deck and maybe it should have gone in there this is the kind of card that it's hard to understand how good it is until you actually get it in play yeah and i might have fallen into the trap of like not putting it in there because i've played it in standard and limited and it's
1: broken it's broken in those and it's not broken in a reason that wouldn't still be broken in commander Mm -hmm. let's read the card especially when you have more mana to play with Mm -hmm. it's experimental frenzy three in a red for an enchantment this is my favorite card of the, new, of the last set. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may play the top card of your library, that includes lands, and you can't play cards from your hand. However, last line of text, three in a red destroy experimental frenzy. So you can get rid of this crazy experiment that you're doing, but until then, your hand is can't be played, but you can play cards off the top of your library. This card can just chain into like four, five, six spells a turn if you're the kind of deck that wants to do that yeah i think that is um the thing
2: that's hard to see right is like you're it kind of looks like oh it it draws me another card every turn but some turns it draws you like three or four cards right yeah because you're like look and you're like oh i'll play that spell the
1: next one's a land i'll play that land the next one's a spell i'll play that spell that just drew you three cards yeah the the only time it's not great is in like a control deck or if you're blue red and you have a lot of instants that you might want to hold up. Yeah. There have been times though where I have an instant sitting at the top of my library and I wait or it's like it's a card that I don't want to draw so on my draw step I'll cast it from the top of my library mm-hmm. or I'll use it to and you know do it in response to someone else's thing. I think this card just has a ton of upside and the downside is only if it doesn't really fit into your deck, but there are a lot of decks that this is great in. Yeah, I think also you're still drawing your card for turn, right? Mm-hmm. So what it tends
2: to happen is like you draw every turn, but you're playing cards from the top of your library. So after three or four turns out, you have three or four, maybe five cards in hand. Right. And at that point, you're like, okay, well, I've gotten my value. I blow it up, and now I have five cards in my hand. It's like I just drew five more cards. Yeah. Super powerful. Also works in conjunction with Sensei's Divining Top and Scroll Rack and those types of things really, really well.
1: Any kind of fetch land.
2: Yeah. So, Yeah. You can shuffle away if you get an extra land up there because you can only play one per turn. Lands are usually the problem with a card like this, right? Because you're like, right. I see a land, I play it. If the next card's a land, that did kind of hurt because it didn't, it did draw you a card, but it didn't uh, get you, it only got you one card because you can't play yeah. two lands in a turn. Uh, but if you can shuffle away, or Sensei's Dividing Top is great with it because you just sort of start pushing stuff in the order you want to and then guarantee that you're playing multiple spells off the top of your library every turn. Scroll Rack lets you still play the cards in your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can even put it there at instant speed and then you could be reactive.
1: Yeah. A uh, deck that I think this would have been really great in would have been uh, Vinny's Nakia deck. Yes. Uh, even yeah. though he played zero non-creatures in there, let's say you have an Oracle of Moldiah and this out, now you could be churning through your deck. Your lands are already tapping for a ton of mana. You're just playing huge creatures anyway, so you're not trying to hold up instants or anything. And blam, you could just take over the board in a single turn there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're unlikely to hit too much stuff that you can't play if it's a creature so yeah yeah i like this card a
1: lot it is a ton of value this next card does see a lot of play um but i still just for whatever reason haven't seen it that much in our play groups for whatever reason and maybe it's just my inherent bias around it but i feel like this is one of those cards that could fit i'm not gonna say 100 <laughs> percent. it's paradox engine good <laughs> into most decks that can play it I play if this card a lot. If you're looking for just additional value and mm-hmm. something that's going to be good early as well as late, then Tireless Tracker is one of those cards that I think that people should be playing more often.
2: Yeah, it's two and a green for a 3-2 human scout, but it says whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you investigate, which means you create a colorless clue artifact token, and the clues can be, uh, you can pay two mana, sacrifice them, and draw
1: a card. And then whenever you sacrifice a clue, you put a 1-1 one, one counter on Tireless Tracker. Yep, so it gives you ways to draw cards. It makes this creature bigger, but also fetch lands great with this. Any kind of lands that put anything else into play, um, you know, Sky Shroud Claim, pretty good with this as well. Yeah, it's landfall, make a clue, basically. And that is just a ton of value.
2: Yeah, I've always found when I have Tireless Tracker early... It's a good card draw engine. It allows
1: you to smooth out your draws. It does pay dividends. Uh, It's pretty powerful. It also works really well, I think, in the late game when you just maybe have, like, oh, darn, I drew another land. But I have this out, so at least I can create a, a token out of it and draw cards, draw out of this situation. So it's one of those cards I like good, early, and late. This next one, I did play in a draft recently, and I read it a
2: bunch of times and I was like, wait, why haven't I seen this in Commander? So this is definitely not in very many decks that I've come across. And on EDH Rec, I think it's in like less than a thousand. It's Dire Fleet Daredevil. Uh, It's one in a red for a creature, human pirate. It's a 2-1 with first strike. When Dire Fleet Daredevil enters the battlefield, you exile target instant or sorcery from an opponent's graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. You may spend mana as though or mana of any type to cast that spell if the card would be put into the graveyard from anywhere, you exile it. So you Snapcaster Mage somebody so else's else graveyard.
1: It doesn't have flash, so it's just slightly worse than Snappy, but. But you can spend mana of any color, mm-hmm. which doesn't is not text on Snapcaster. That's true. Um, in a mono red deck, this is a great way for you to get access to like card draw spells or other things that you may want out of someone else's graveyard. Um, I think this just has a lot of value overall. And I see the upside as being pretty big The downside being you know if you don't have anything else to cast and you play this on the turn and you don't really get much value out of it not so hot but if you're able to chain this into a removal spell or a path to exile like really cheap spells that you could cast with three mana yeah wrath like all these things are useful cards and they get cast pretty often in commander games so having access in your deck to playing one of those pretty good I mean, Snappy is just a card I would put in most blue decks.
2: Of course, blue is playing the instants and sorceries, and you know you're going to get them. But yeah. most of the time, you know that your opponents are going to play some instants and sorceries, and they're going to be good ones because why would they put bad ones in their deck? Yeah.
1: Uh, next card up, another card mm. from a recent set is Hostage Taker. I like this card a lot. I don't see it at all whenever I play people. Two of blue and a bl- uh, black for a 2-3 human pirate. When it enters the battlefield, exile another target creature or artifact. Until Hostage Shaker leaves the battlefield, you may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as low over any mana of any type to cast that spell. So, similar a little bit to Dire Fleet Daredevil, but you can steal things on the board and pay any mana to use it. So, artifacts seems pretty good. Taking someone's rock. Just taking a soul ring is great. Yeah. And you want
2: to take small things because you really don't want to go Hostage Shaker your thing past turn. Get it removed, You want to cast it right away so that if they remove the Hostage Shaker, they don't get the thing back.
1: And not I, to mention this is just exile a creature. Yeah, true. Right. I that's mean, good enough on its own sometimes. But if they remove the hostage taker, they get it back. So that's not sure. that's not the greatest. But you're still forcing them to use a removal spell out of their hand. You're setting a tempo loss for them if it's something like a blight steal or something crazy. Okay, sure. Right? Like I don't know. Like Eldrazi at the table all the time and the only way to get rid of them is exiling them. Yeah. A ravenous Chupacarba does you nothing in that situation for the most part.
2: Every time somebody plays this, it does work. Uh, i've only seen a few times you're right i don't see it that often and so i think people are just too scared by that clause where if it leaves the battlefield the person gets the thing back most of the time it's like steal your something but most people have like pretty impactful early plays soul Mm -hmm. rings mana crypts mana vaults oh yeah
1: mana crypt off of that would be nuts
2: coalition relics even stuff like that is great yeah Um, because think of that tempo loss i not only ramped i stole your ramp yeah it's pretty good
1: yeah. And again, if they're forced to use a removal spell on it, then you're just, you're, you're okay with that, I
2: think. I mean, if you've already cast a thing, it doesn't matter. They remove it, you, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. only as long as it stays in
1: exile. If you cast it, yeah. now it's yours it's on the battlefield. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. This next one also sees a lot of play, but it's one that has, I think it's anytime, these are sort of conditional in the way that the text looks, where it's like you need something else to be on the battlefield or in the graveyard for it to work. But it does a lot of work when you're able to use it, especially I think six mana is a very good price for spell twine. Five in the blue. Sorcery, exile, target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard and target instant or sorcery card from an opponent's graveyard. Copy those cards. Cast the copies, if able, without paying their mana cost. Exile spells So you get two spells. Two spells for six mana, which I I think for that rate is pretty good, especially if you don't need to pay the mana cost. Yeah. You could grab a dig-through time. You could grab the great aurora no uh you could grab just huge spells like someone casts something massive a blatant thievery would be pretty interesting with this that would be really good with this (laughs) yeah you get your thing back and some other
2: stuff yeah i think the problem is that a lot of times if they've cast something huge and awesome there's a good chance they're taking over the game probably won and all the extra turn spells a lot of them don't hit the graveyard but you know casting this for value on six yeah you know what just getting back a board wipe and something else can be great
1: yeah yeah, if it was like board wipe Kodama's Reach, I'd be happy with that yeah, too, yeah, right? Like, yeah. there's lots of ways I think to use this in a way that is in general good, and I, I guess it also depends on your meta. Um, this next one is similar to the Hostage Taker world. This does see a lot of play in modern, specifically, and it makes it a little more expensive, but I have a good reason why I like this card a lot. It does not see much play in Commander. Yeah, not much, and it, it would make sense as to why you would think it wouldn't see much play. Mm-hmm. It's Spell Queller. One of blue and the white for a 2-3 spirit with flash and flying. When it enters the battlefield, exile target spells CMC four or less. And when it leaves the battlefield, the exile card's owner may cast that card without paying its mana cost. So this seems, in general, like, well, that card's going to get removed. That creature is just going to go bye-bye. Except I can... How many times has a creature just been on the board and nothing's happened to it? Definitely happens. It happens a lot. And sometimes you are able to take spells away from someone that is like a board wipe. A lot of four board wipes out there. Even if it does give you just one more turn to do something, where it's like, crap, I can't get hit by a board wipe right now. I had plans for next turn. Being able to delay that small amount, I think, in early parts of the game, or even later parts of the game, when it's impactful, can be really, really important for decks. And I think people often gloss over cards like this because they're like, well, they're going to cast the card anyway. But sometimes in games of Commander, you just need one turn to win the game. Not to mention, 2-3 Flower has actual impact as a blocker.
2: It's pretty good with Lavinia. Because even when they remove oh, yeah. it, they can't cast the spell. Right? That's a they, good part. You without can't cast its mana a spell cost. without paying its mana cost. Yeah. Or I mean, you can't cast a spell that you paid no mana for, basically.
1: Crap! I should have put this in my uh, Lavinia. deck. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> on I a board wipe, it would still come back because
0: right, Lavinia's right.
2: not around anymore. But yeah.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find The next
2: one, you know, it's funny because this is a very powerful commander, but then when I looked it up on EDHREC, it doesn't see a lot of play. It's in like oh, really? less than a thousand decks. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, this deck is very good, but in the 99, I guess we just don't see it that much. It's Gaunty, Lord of Luxury. Two black black legendary creature, a 2-3 Etherborn rogue has death touch says, when Gonti enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of target opponent's library, exile one of them face down, and put the rest on the bottom of their library in any order. And then you may look at and cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast that spell. So you pick the best card out of one of your opponent's top four, you set it aside, and then you can cast that without paying its mana cost. And this works even if Gonti dies.
1: Even if Gonti dies, yeah. as long as that card's been exiled. So that makes Gonti, I think, really, really powerful. Not to mention anyone that can flicker Gonti, get yep. multiple uses out of him, it. reanimate him. Yeah, I, I think Gonti is one of the, out of like all the cards we talked about, it's the, the least quote unquote conditional in terms of when you can cast that spell. You know, Dire Fleet, Daredevil makes you want to cast it the same turn um same with hostage taker uh would like you should be casting it as soon as possible gaunti though get four cards choose the best one and anytime you want you could have that card in exile till turn 12 and and just be be like like, oh that was an insurrection yeah (laughs) by the way yeah by the way um so i think gaunti is just really powerful and i don't i don't know why people don't play him more I, i think just like in general that kind of card is the kind of thing that can help swing a game left or right. Well, the funny thing is the 2-3 death touch part is actually relevant too, yeah, right? Yeah,
2: No one's going to want to swing a real creature into it, and you don't mind blocking because you're going to get the card of value out of it with whatever card you kind of stole from your opponent. So. Right. Uh, this one is one I've been looking at and playing a little bit more. It's uh, Necrologia. It's 3 black black for an instant, but you can only cast this spell during your end step. So, it's not... it's It's an instant, but you can't cast it on like the end step before your turn right your end step only it says as an additional cost to cast the spell pay x life but then draw x cards so it's a one-time necropotence that's why it's specifically on your end step at the only point right. where necrologia necropo- right yeah right. where
1: necropotence five works. mana draw 30 cards yeah it can, <laughs>
2: I've, I've regularly been like i'll draw 10 you know
1: five mana draw 10 yeah that's that's powerful five mana draw 10 is really good yeah and, and that's the that's a better rate than most I think every card spell in the history of If you of think magic, of
2: like the normal ones we use like Stroke of Genius and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Those are more mana than cards. Yeah. This is yeah, yeah, five yeah. mana and you could potentially, I mean you could get 20 if you're really feeling brave. Hey
1: look, if you're in the black deck maybe you're playing black white with a lot of life gain. Yeah. Or maybe you're just like
2: if I draw 20 here I'll have a good chance to win because I just need to load up with, you know, right. I got a Relicory Tower, and you know I have enough mana also left untapped,
1: and I can just protect yeah. whatever I'm doing or, or if find you have my a combo piece. Seedborn Muse, yeah. like that's perfect. I mean, the thing is, it's at your end step, so you will have to go to your discard after this. So there's a little bit there, but still, draw X cards for X life. Yeah, that that's pretty pretty nice as an it? Very instance. powerful.
2: Uh, the next one is similar to Experimental Frenzy, and I think. These two cards, Outpost Siege, some other ones, are one of the reasons why red in recent years has become... Finally, yeah. Yeah, why white's the worst color now and red is actually kind of inching its way towards being competitive
1: with the other colors. It's this type of effect. Um, So this is go ahead stolen strategy from battle bond which I finally got to play for the first time a lot of fun so fun right so fun (laughs) drafting with someone is just the best it is
2: the literal best yeah
1: four in a red for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep exile the top card of each opponent's library until end of turn you may cast non-land cards from among those exiled cards and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells
2: that's so, great. Yeah, this is Outpost Siege, but it Outpost Sieges your opponents. So you get three... Look at three cards. Now, the one thing I'll say is that you have to cast the card, so you can't bring lands from their deck. But you get to look at three cards from your opponents, and... Man of any color, up to you. You you do have to cast them by the end of the turn, too, so you can't save them up. But still, like, if no, that's you get... still
1: pretty good. If
2: you even get one, that's great. But sometimes you might get two or all three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this card is... Pretty good card draw when you put it on the level of like I mean it's five CMC but mm-hmm. once you compare it to experimental frenzy outpost siege let's compare it to Phyrexian arenas and the really great ones like Ristic study okay Ristic study's better but at the same time three per turn
1: yeah and and you can again you're if you're in a mono red deck you're accessing things that you never would see otherwise that's true potentially yeah all right <clears throat> that was all under the value category. Because it's a lot of value. Let's move on to removal. Obviously, another very important part of uh, Magic, especially in EDH. Uh, this next card is played a lot, but it's a card that I'm I should be playing, but I'm not. We actually talked about this card when you were gone with DJ as a as a oh really as sort of an
2: underrated card. Yeah.
1: Ah, very nice. Well, I saw so, it in action so the last time we played Commander because Murph puts it in a lot of his decks. Oh yeah, it's a very good. card. And I looked at it again. I was like, yeah, this this is it. Yep. <laughs> Reality shift. One in the blue for an instant. Exile target creature, and that to me honestly is the only part that, there can be big downsides on the other side of this card, but that is great. Because Blue doesn't get that effect. They don't do that, yeah. They have a couple cards that just It's controller then manifests the top card of their library, so they take the top card of their library put it face down to 2-2 creature, and it can be turned uh, face up anytime for its mana cost if it happens to be a creature on the bottom side of it. So
2: there is the slight downside that you could manifest a creature that's better than the one that you exiled. Unlikely, but it Unlikely. can happen. Most yeah. of the, t- I mean, something around 40% of the time, it's going to be a land. Yeah. And then a lot of times it's an instant, a sorcery, an artifact, a non-creature that they can't even flip back up with manifest. Yeah. Don't do this against a blink deck or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, point. this is instant speed exile a creature from In blue. blue. It's For two mana. It's the blue path to exile. If you think about it, Path to Exile, you get a land in the play, right? Right. This one, you get a 2-2. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'd rather have going the land. <laughs> I'd, yeah. I mean, the fact that blue is doing this is the thing that makes me think like, wow, this kind of broke the color pie a little bit. But maybe it yep. didn't. Maybe it didn't here. Who knows? Um, next up, another exile card from Shadows over Innistrad. It's Declaration in Stone. One in the white for a sorcery. Exile target creature and all other creatures. It's controller controls with the same name as that creature. And then that player investigates for each non-token creature exiled this way. So a lot of interesting text here. Investigating means that they get a clue. They can pay two to second for a card. However, declaration in stone, you can target a non-token creature, but the player is going to investigate for each non-token creature exiled this way. So you can you can exile target token and they'll get rid Kill of all, those all tokens. their tokens, all their plant tokens from Avenger, and they're only going to investigate once or zero, or zero actually, because it's, yeah, yeah. each non-token creature. So this or was... you could say Blightsteel Colossus, exile that thing. You can have your clue token. Yeah, um, and you know it's it's not path to exile. They get to draw a card off it, but at the same time, it's still a very cheap removal spell. It can get rid of a lot of things that are problematic, and if you just do a bunch of tokens this way, they don't even get the upside off it. Yeah. So it's like true. Maelstrom Pulse, but for white.
2: The next card is an oldie but a goodie, and it was reprinted in. Oh boy, I get all the master sets mixed up. Iconic, maybe.
1: Uh, it was printed in Conspiracy, and from the Vault. Oh, maybe it's Conspiracy. 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 Yeah, Conspiracy. Conspiracy two. Conspiracy, yeah, conspiracy. Oh, conspiracy two. Take the See crown. all the masters and the conspiracies <laughs> mixed up. Uh, it's
2: Berserk. It's a green mana for an instant. Cast this spell only before the combat damage step. And yes, this is a removal spell, by the way. Yes, so target creature gains trample and gets plus X plus zero until end of turn where X is its power. And then at the beginning of the end step, destroy that creature if it attacked this turn. So, yeah, you can use this as removal because somebody attacks with their creature, you know, not you. or, Or sorry, attacks
1: not you. Yeah, you're not the one attacking.
2: And then you can be
1: like, hey, I'm going to make it hit
2: the person they're attacking for more, and then it'll die at the end of the turn. Yep. It's,
1: yeah, it's interesting used as a removal spell, but. It's also a a bit of a political tool sometimes, too, which is like, hey, look, if you want to attack this turn, I can help you out. I can make you maybe hit for commander damage. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, what's the downside? Like, well, you know, it's just you have to attack someone. They won't ask what the downside is. Yeah, if they exactly. do, then you're, you're had, but yeah, most well, people don't ask that. You don't have to tell them either. <laughs> I mean, look, it's one of those loopholes, right? But either way, you can also use this on your own cards if you need to necessarily yep. just do a crap ton of damage and just end the game. Um, but I, I, it's one of those weird things where it's like, green has instant speed removal at one. It's like, yes, in a way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like this, this card a lot. Um, this next one, though, talking about picking your friends better. Boy. This is a craig favorite. This I've died to this card favorite. a couple of times. It's incredible. I think this card is amazing. Yeah, it is. I mean, powerful if that's what you mean. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Tainted strike, black for an instant target creature gets +1/+0 plus plus and gains infect until end of turn. Me 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 me. Beow, beow, beow. So this is player removal. Yeah, right? This, this is
2: player removal, yeah. This
1: also could be creature removal if someone, you know, you could swing a, a crappy creature into a ten ten indestructible. And then, boom, give this... I mean, you would need 10. Well, all right, fine. Okay, (laughs) you you find a way to swing a a bigger creature into something that won't die through combat. And because you're giving it infight, it's actually dealing damage in the form of negative one, negative one counters. Yeah. So that's another, like, very fringe case use of it. In general, this could just end the player's life.
2: Yeah, in general, you're swinging at a time where, like, you got an attack on them and they're going to be like, okay, fine, I take 10 or I take 12 or whatever it is. Uh,
1: And you're just like, no, actually, you die. Yeah. But the nice thing about these cards is that they're cheap to cast, and you can hold these kinds of things up. um, And that's where I find the most powerful in and Sorceries are. Well, and in Commander, people just don't expect combat tricks. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, seriously, when is the last time you were in a game of Commander and somebody during the attack phase right. cast a spell that pumped a creature in some way? It's it's very rare. Yeah. They may cast something that pumps all their creatures or team or something, but like a, a, a combat trick on one... Like, imagine if you were like, <laughs> I attack, I block, I giant growth my creature. That'd be like, what, what are, are we you playing? T- yeah,
1: why is that in your deck?
2: <laughs> yeah, so they just don't expect that kind of thing. And but this I'd... next card is another reason why, if you're against black, yeah. at least think about it. Yep. And If you put this next card with Tainted Strike, good night. Oh, yeah, good night.
1: That, that's, what, six mana? Or yeah, seven you mana? can
2: attack with a 2-2, and they're like, take it, and you could kill him.
1: Yeah, it's hatred. You're going to hate the person for playing it. Three black, black is an instant. As an additional cost to cast a spell, pay X life target creature gets plus x plus o until end of turn so this is actually very similar to stolen uh, necrologia right yeah yeah except you don't get cards you deal damage you deal damage yeah, yeah. but you could make this thing plus 20 plus 20 yep. or in the case of tainted strike just enough to get infect damaged kills yeah if
2: it's a four four they don't block you cast this paying
1: five life tainted strike yeah dead. or you know sometimes you can do this with a commander like fine i won't block it and as long you could yeah, even. I mean, this is one of those things, though, where you need to play the table a little better, too. Because you, you can't just be like, do this, because someone else at the table might be like, oh, I'm going to not let that happen. But make a deal with the table, make sure the player you're attacking can't do anything about it. And hatred could just end the game for you, for someone else
2: yeah it's pretty good it's also pretty good if you do Chandra's Ignition or something with it oh my gosh
1: I forgot about that card entirely <laughs> Boom, just get yeah. everybody you don't even need to do it in combat
2: you just Tainted like... Strike, Hatred and Chandra's Ignition I mean that's like an 11 mana 12 mana combo or
1: something but <laughs> well, I mean, it'll end the game You'll no, Yeah, win. <laughs> most 9, 10, 11 mana spells do win the game so <laughs> there you go
2: I see a fair bit, and it harkens to a number of other cards. So it's Lignify. It's one in a green for a tribal enchantment. It's a Treefolk aura. It enchants a creature, and the enchanted creature is a Treefolk with base power and toughness
1: 0-4 and loses all abilities. Yep. This is very similar to other cards you may already be thinking of them. Song of the Dryads, Darksteel Mutation, Imprisoned, In the moon. Yeah. All these do some version of like... Yeah. It's removal. It's kind of like a pacifism, but it actually takes
2: away their abilities, like turns them into a forest or turns them into an indestructible bug creature or something like that.
1: Yeah. And I actually like these types of cards a lot. They get rid of a lot of different types of things. Song of the Dryads can just planeswalker a forest... Turn it yeah, into a forest, yeah. right? So like, there there is a lot of utility for these sorts of things, not to mention it gets around. Sometimes removing a card like a commander is more problematic than actually like disabling it. Yeah, you don't want I, them to recast it because they get an effect out of it or whatever. Yeah, I think a lot of times, actually,
2: you would rather do one of these types of effects to a commander yeah. because they have a hard time dealing with their creature being you know, a forest than they do if it
1: just gets exiled because then I mean, they just like put in the commands and cast it again. Imagine if it was a mono red deck and you lignified their <laughs> kiki-jiki. A or something. Yeah, like what are they going to do? Yeah. Enchantments? Yeah. You can't deal with this. Yep, it's true. Um, I mean, if you
2: turn it into a tree folk, they can kill it. They at can least. kill it, right. Yeah. I
1: mean, if you turn it into a forest, I don't know, stone rain it. Yeah. <laughs> That's harder, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, think about why Tuck was so good. Mm-hmm. That's why these sorts of effects have a lot of power as well, I think. Yeah, it really is true. All right, next Your, up. I like the name of the next
2: category. It's like, it's can
1: this stop already? Yeah, and I actually, this inspiration is from you, Josh. I was gonna say, in at general. least
2: four, three or four of these cards are like cards I play. So yep. yeah, I knew yep. where this game one came from.
1: Uh, the first up is Deathmatch, three and <laughs> a black for an enchantment. Wait,
2: are you trying to tell me stop playing these? No, no, I'm <laughs> just asking. Can <laughs> this stop
1: already in the game? Oh okay. Look, it always. It, 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 I think the thing about these cards is people don't realize how big of a threat they actually are. Yeah because of the effect that they have. And it's a big effect. Deathmatch is a three in the black for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, that creature's controller may have target creature of their choice get minus three, minus three until end of turn. Yep. So anytime you
2: have a creature ETB, you negative three, negative three something. Yeah. So Anyone. Yeah. Anyone. And then, yeah, you do it. You're like, I play this creature, kill that one. Play another creature, kill that, kill that, one. that one, and go. And they're like, oh, yeah, I play a creature, kill, <laughs> kill yours. One, yeah. And you're like, dang it. This it's is really good if you're... um. If your commander is four toughness or higher, Mm -hmm. so that it's going to live, they're going to have to play two creatures to
1: get it. Yeah, but it is just one of those things that makes everyone go,
0: oh, no,
1: really? All my plans. All my plans. And it also gives you a lot of uh, flexibility in terms of removing their stuff. I think this is one of those cards that's good in a deck that wants to make everyone just hold back until you're ready, sort of like stall out the board a little bit. Um, It also gives people... Oh, great ways to get rid of really problematic stuff. Yep. Like a token deck can just machine gun down everything. It, I like what you said though. It is a really good way to just slow the game down. Yeah,
2: it I mean, just makes it makes life hard on all the creature decks. Yeah, that's so. sort of what all of these cards
1: do, by the way.
2: Oh, this next one makes life nearly impossible for the creature decks. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It's spreading plague. Ugh, it's can this pre- stop ready. It's four and a black for an enchantment. It says whenever a creature enters the battlefield destroy all other creatures that share a color with it they can't be regenerated so if you play a green creature as soon as it etbs it destroys all the other green creatures in play yep so then they go and they're the green deck and they go i play a green creature destroys all the green creatures but there's all their
1: creatures too but then they're
2: like they can never have two creatures on the battlefield if they're mono green or something Uh, it's very very good it really slows the game down. If you're in a deck that doesn't want really want creatures out,
1: this card is.
2: I mean, it's the greatest.
1: It is pretty great. This next card, I just never want to think about this card again, because every time this card comes out on the battlefield, it becomes it literally becomes archenemy. I feel like because it's like we have to find a way to get rid of that, but we can't because the way we get rid of it, it stops that. It stops that. Yeah, it's not a counterspell. It kind of is. It's a chimera yeah <laughs> it's an enchantment creature it's perplexing chimera it's four in the blue for a three three <sighs> whenever an opponent casts a spell you may exchange control of perplexing chimera and that spell if you do you may choose new targets for the spell if the spell becomes a permanent you control that permanent i've never seen a more effective stop the game card than perplexing chimera people just don't want to play stuff yeah because it's like and if they do, it's like fine. I'll play the weakest thing I have. It's this is a land of war elves. Yeah, you take I that? dare you. You want that? And it's then, like, well, what's your land war elves trying to do? Well, I guess tap to play a bigger, better thing. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh no. And here's the thing. Like the upside is like, oh cool, I get the card afterwards. I can do stuff with it. But that's not even close to the, the worst part about this. I mean, it's great for you maybe in the long run. But at the end of the day, you just basically swap. it just ruins every plan. <laughs> every single time your plans, so you just go nope. My hand is now useless until that thing is gone. Well, and the problem is, it after it gets used,
2: it's still there. So yeah. now somebody else has it. And so you're still in that bind of, like, you know, it's not like if Jimmy goes, okay, I'll play a spell just to get this thing off the board so you can steal my... It doesn't. Now
1: Jimmy has the Perplexing Chimera, and yeah. everybody else is
2: like, I still don't want
1: to play stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess there are some cases where it's like, you know what? I think you would rather have this card than me right now, Josh, because I want that Chimera, and so I'll, like, maybe yeah. give you a spell. But that just... In theory, yes. In practice, I've never seen that happen. Yeah, Yeah. Everyone's always
2: just like, I don't want to play anything.
1: These are the kinds of cards that sort of go around and circumvent what magic is supposed to do, I think. Very often, like a card like Spreading Plague, Deathmatch, and Chimera make the game just turn into a different math equation slash logic puzzle for everyone involved. And I think that is enough to throw off even some of the best decks.
2: I mean, were I the person playing against the Chimera, usually I'm the one casting it. Right, then I would just be willing to like I'd be like, what are the top two cards in my hand okay, any other one I'll trade yeah, and just go because once I have the perplexing chimera now I'm in the driver's seat and I don't even have to trade it. I could at least go forward with my plans and if they do something crazy, I can always steal it, but they're not going to because they can see the chimera. I mean the yeah. real way out of it is a board wipe. Because they can take control of the board wipe, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They can't change targets on a board wipe. Yeah. Don't I would... do Cyclonic Rift, though. No. Because <laughs> oh, it says opponents. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, they yeah. steal
1: your overload Cyclonic. <laughs> and they keep the Chimera. And no, the Chimera no, no. bounces back to, bounces to them. back to yeah. them. Yeah, they play the cast again. <laughs> wow. That made me have a headache right there just thinking about that. <laughs> That's what perplexing the Chimera does. That's why it's perplexing. Yeah, perplexing. I think annoying is the best word for him. <laughs> um, next up, a card that I considered putting into my Lavinia deck for game nights. It's Rule of Law. Two in the white for an enchantment. Each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. So this shuts off a lot of different decks in the format. And we've already said this before. If you are able to cast, if you're the player casting five or six spells on your turn, you're the one that's winning the the fastest and the best. Yeah. Um, so Rule of Law again. If you're if you're the kind of deck that wants to like play an Elspeth. Sun's Champion and just make tokens and just chill on that, then this is the exact kind of card that you want in your deck. Things that have activated abilities on the board, ways to slow down your other opponents and basically make sure that they don't get out of a situation that you start to have incremental value from because your deck is better taking advantage of this better than theirs. I mean, we say all the time that I
2: think the best way to win games of commander is to have a single explosive turn and that usually means chaining two or three spells together in the same turn. Yeah. And setting up beforehand so that you go I do this, I do this, I do that, and they all combine and you didn't have any time to really react to it and go, but now, you know, it's seedborn muse and vedalkenori and I'm untapping everything mm-hmm. and playing, you know, and this stops that from happening. You can't play Two things. So now what becomes powerful is single huge things. Yeah. And so if you're in a deck that's like, I, what I really want to do is play an 8-drop, Gen- a 9-drop, yeah. a 10-drop, that's generally not as good as like play a 5-drop, a 4-drop, hold up Path to Exile, you know, it. Eh. It becomes better under that circumstance.
1: Yeah. Actually, I realized you could be the person that plays four spells, sets up the Seaborn Muse thing, and then plays Rule of Law at the end. Yeah, and now and I'm playing one turn. on your turn. It's like, cool, I'm turn. still playing one on each yeah. of your turns, but you guys are only playing one total.
2: I think this is supposed to be White's answer to card draw, right? Because if you have 30 cards right. in hand, but somebody plays Rule of Law, it doesn't matter how many cards you have in your hand as much because you can, can't you can play just a, of shut it a down, lot of yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's supposed to be... I think they need a lot more of that type of effect to make it even out. And then people get so mad about it, they're likely to just kill you. Like, yeah, Rhystic Study doesn't make people kill you necessarily. But Rule of Law could make them all be like, well, we got to get rid of that person. This is a card in our... The next one, sorry, is a card in our play group. You have to have ways in your deck to beat it because I will play it. And a lot of people play it now. We've talked about it a few times on the show, and it does see quite a bit of play. But it's constant mists. It's one and a green for an instant. Uh, and it's Paradox it, Engine level good Yeah, I, Actually this one might be <laughs> uh, it's, Got him. it's a fog It says prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn But you can buy it back By sacrificing a land And that means that when you cast it after it resolves It comes back to your hand So if you go one in a green, sacrifice a land You can fog every single turn Yep. And that is the kind of thing That many decks cannot beat Unless they know this card exists And put ways in their deck to beat it Direct damage,
1: ways that aren't combat All that sort of stuff that had a lot of air time. Yeah, that one did. Make sure you guys go to youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. So you can watch what we're doing rather yeah. than just be like, What were those noises? <laughs> Speaking of things that... We're going to go and move on to the next topic, which is board wipes. And speaking of cards that you need to... Sometimes you need to find ways around cards like Constant Mists. Other times you just need to figure out ways to find your ways around board states that won't die to a board wipe. Um, And that's why I think a card like Hallowed Burial, which is just a sorcery for three white-white, to put all creatures on the bottom of their owner's libraries is so powerful. Because a lot of times you'll find that people are able to survive a board wipe in different ways or they're not as affected by it or it's like, man, there's so much stuff on the board. The only way I can really get rid of it is just by getting rid of it in a much more permanent way. I don't want to put it in the graveyard. But tucking them all to the bottom of someone's library and Terminus is a very similar card that sees more play is one of the most effective and like groan-inducing plays. Maybe that's my metric for whether or not this made the <laughs> list. If people go, oh... And yeah. Halibario meets that requirement pretty well.
2: I mean, let's be honest. People know that you're going to destroy their stuff sometimes and they're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Most decks have some kind of contingency plan. What if I get board wiped? What if everything dies? What if this dies? I'll they, regrowth it. I'll eternal yeah. witness it. I'll do this. And there's a lot of decks that are like literally playing around in their graveyard, like mm-hmm. dancing around in there, painting their face and having fun. <laughs> and they Sounds are so like... gross. Yeah. And they were like... Yeah, that's where I want stuff. That's where I, this thing came from. Anyway, all the stuff out there came from my graveyard to begin with, so I don't yeah. care if it goes back there. And Hallow Burial and Terminus also uh, get around that. They put it in a place that's hard for the, harder for them
1: to get it. Much harder. I mean, especially if you're putting a ton of creatures down there. Yeah. So like, What are they going to do? Yeah.
2: So, I mean, uh, the the answer a lot of times is they have some sort of sac outlet, and they can just right. kill it instead. But a lot of times they don't. And huge Eldrazi, Ulamogs with Indestructible all that stuff, you get around it. A lot of times you're looking at your Supreme Verdict and mm-hmm. you're like, ugh, it does not kill that Ulamog. Yeah. And it's just
1: like, I could cast it, but it doesn't solve the real big problem. Yep, yep, yep. This next card rose to fame because of Josh Lee Kwai <laughs> in, a, <laughs> the,
0: in That a,
1: brawl episode? In that brawl episode, yeah. Um, and it's one of those cards where I think we looked at it and was like, nah, this is good, but it's not great. Why not just play Cyclonic Rift? It's River's Rebuke four blue blue for a sorcery return all non-land permanents target player controls to their owner's hand here's the thing about this card i think what i didn't think about originally was that the politicking that goes into a card like this is much more important than the fact that you're leaving yourself open you're tapping six man to do it because i mean so many times in games it's like this person's going off we have to stop them and we're already teaming up So if you can strike a deal where it's like, look, don't come after me. Don't do anything to me. I'm going to do something to stop this, but it's going to leave me super wide open. So please, you know, work it out with the other players at the table. Doing a card like River's Rebuke can really set someone back.
2: Yeah, that's exactly the usage that's great. And you can usually get people to to agree because you're like, I can stop what they're doing.
1: but In a big way, not just like a board wipe way. But it's going
2: to take my entire turn. If I do that, I just want you guys to promise me you don't know, attack me, you don't know, mess with any of my permanents, cards, library, nothing. Yeah. And I get an un- a free untap so that, you know, I can take a pair of this problem for us and you guys can
1: go about your business, but as though I just cast Teferi's protection as well. Yeah, exactly. And, that's what <laughs> that's the contingency for Rivers. And of most Bukes. people
2: are like happy. Yep, yep, totally fine. Because they're gonna lose to
1: that player too. And yeah. so they're like, At least what you're doing is you got another turn of setup another turn set up um, and you can even be like I need protection from that person as well we need to still work together this isn't just like the end all be all because you know that player is going to go after you for you know basically hamstringing them that hard so I like River's Abuke a lot this is the next one I've seen a lot you have? Yeah. I, I think life gain is something that's gone up in my book. I mean, incidental life gain is great. And this is like one more mana, gain a bunch of life. Yeah. Fumigate, three white, white. It's a board wipe. It's a sorcery. Destroy all creatures. You gain one life for each creature destroyed this way. Um, Yeah, I've just seen so many games now where it's like, oh, crap, I'm at two life. I have one card. I'm, you know, I'm super boned. If I had more life, I could draw out of it. If I just had one more turn, but I'm about to take 12 damage here. So. Right. Cards like Fumigate, cards that gain you life but also still do the things that your deck wants to do. I would, I basically would start running Fumigate over Wrath of God in almost every single case. I totally agree. Just the one more mana is worth it. And sometimes you gain like 20. Yeah. Even if you gain like five or six, it's not nothing and you're still doing the thing that you wanted to, which is include a board wipe in your deck. Yep. So
2: the next two are very similar and they are. Uh, what's the word sort of narrow board wipes they don't hit everything and that can be to your advantage so it's fell the mighty and retribution of the meek fell the mighty is four in a white for sorcery destroy all creatures with power greater than target creatures power yeah so you pick this is really good in like arcades or um doran and those type of decks like in arcades you can choose a creature that has zero power and do the whole and, thing and destroy everything except your walls yeah uh, Retribution of the Meek is two and a white for a sorcery destroy all creatures with power four or greater they can't be regenerated so Fell the Mighty you can sort of choose based on what creatures you've got and Retribution of the Meek is just set at power four or greater
1: yeah i i like the fact that you can choose any creature for fell the mighty it doesn't need to be on your side of the board it can also again be that sort of thing where it's like hey guys look you're going to lose one or two things but this person's going to lose the big thing that everyone needs him to lose or her to lose so i like the fact that you can target it you can use politics to your advantage with these kinds of cards also if you're just a mono like small creatures deck then retribution and fell the mighty are going to be very one-sided for you in general yeah which is kind of like what i want to see um, this the, next yeah one side of board wipe I mean in Garrick's wake except for that it's that cost you mana yeah yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of crazy um, next up is Cleansing Nova again one of those cards that it's like hey why not play this over Wrath of God it's three white white for a sorcery you can choose one to destroy all creatures or destroy all artifacts and enchantments that's powerful very powerful that's so powerful when people play Bane of Progress and it doesn't also have the the, the tag of if you need it to board wipe instead
2: yep so it's very austere command which is one i think probably like the best
1: white board wipe yeah I one think of the best anything, white
2: cards period
1: anything that reminds me of austere command yeah. i think is way better than we give it credit for and that's why Acroma's vengeance is great too which is just a sorcery for one more mana so for white wipe, but you get artifacts creatures and enchantments all in one fell swoop yep that's pretty good and you can cycle it
2: <laughs> that one can't is harder to be as one-sided but cleansing nova is like oh i don't have a lot of creatures i board right for creatures oh i don't have
1: a lot of artifacts and enchantments I you can even hold back you know if you draw that in your opening hand or draw it early you can be like you know what? i'm gonna play around so i can use this to the max effect based yep. on what's happening on the board which i think a lot of people sometimes you like even just knowing it's in your deck and knowing that you maybe have a way of finding it or you know it can help you plan around the downsides of those kinds of those cards all right the next three are all very similar also it's uh
2: paraseline Parasaline. Parasaline? Parasaline. Parasalene. Two and a white for a sorcery. It says destroy all enchantments, and then you gain one life for each enchantment destroyed this way. The next one is, like I said, these are all sort of enchantment wipes. Cleansing meditation, one white, white, destroy all enchantments as a sorcery, but it has threshold, which means if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, instead you destroy all enchantments, then return all cards in your graveyard destroyed this way, to the battlefield so you basically wow. destroy all enchantments except yours and you maybe re-trigger some etbs
1: yeah if you have like enchantment creatures or if you're playing um like the ban enchantments deck with estrid or all that stuff that can help bring those enchantments back equipment the new creatures for your auras so True. uh this last one is one i like a lot and i run in quite a few
2: decks it's calming verse it's three and a green for a sorcery destroy all enchantments you don't control then, if you control an untapped land, destroy all enchantments you control. Oh. So all you got to do is make sure that all your lands are tapped when uh, you ca- when this resolves, and yeah. you destroy one sided board wipe enchantments. Very very strong.
1: Yeah, you can just float that mana in the yep. same main phase, play the things you wanted to play out. Yep. Um, unless you have like a glacial chasm, then you don't want to play this as much because you can't that's really true. tap that land unless you have like a you know a herborg or something. But yeah, calming is, That's that's powerful that's an
2: easy sort of um qualifier to get around like yeah Yeah. oh i just have to have all my
1: lands tapped most of the time i can do that yeah all right this next category is just called if it's supported so if your deck can make use of it or if you think you can make use of it in your play group um this is another murph special victory chimes i saw him playing this and looked at the card and went you know what this is a good card i need to put this in my rune deck oh yeah so Yeah, go ahead, read it. It's three mana for an artifact. Untap victory chimes during each other player's untap step. And tap, a player of your choice adds a colorless mana. So, look, if you are not struggling to make colored mana happen, you don't need this to be a Coalition Relic or a um, Chromatic Lantern, yeah. Then this is pretty great, especially if you have a lot of instant speed stuff activated abilities that cost mana. You get a free mana every single turn. This thing thing just Seedborn Muses by itself. Not to mention, you can make a bigger play by helping out someone. That doesn't happen as much because it's a lot of communication. I think it sometimes reveals too much information about their hands to so be like, I need one more man to play the spell that costs seven mana and does this. <laughs> All right, I'll give it to you. But I think this does have a lot of use and you can, again, use it a bunch of times. If you're playing Arch Enemy, you can give mana just to your friends and not the one opponent. Yep. If you have Thrasios
2: and those type of things too, where you just have a um, mana sink that right. you can use over and over. That's why in Rune... It'd be nice to just know that, oh, I'm going to have one extra mana. To activate him. Because he costs two. Yeah. So that's that can be pretty powerful. I like that.
1: This next card is also played a lot, but I think because of the single target nature of it, cards like this, people that are like, oh, you know, like search your opponent's library for a card and get rid of it. Those kinds of cards, we don't like to play as much. But for Exium Revoker, two mana for a two-one artifact creature horror. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you choose a non-land card name and then activate abilities of sources with the chosen name can't be activated. This attacks planeswalkers big time planeswalker commanders even a bunch of commanders themselves rune okay. yeah yep. um but it's just one of those things where like look if you're having trouble beating other players at your table because your deck is so linear and just focus on itself you may consider putting in something like this that can at least buy you some time or force them to remove it and maybe make an enemy in the process i see this card a lot in like very tight-knit play
2: groups where they're like oh they right. know everybody else's deck really well and so they'll be like, I'll fraction revoker. And they name like, you know, a card that's not even on the, battlefield. the key combo piece. And the person's like, ah, because <laughs> they know the deck so well. That's and great. that's the type of thing. Nevermore is another one that just kind of yeah. makes
1: it so they can't cast the spell you name and can be yeah. pretty brutal. Yeah, those are like those meddling mage-esque effects. I think people don't play them because they don't know what to name sometimes. Yeah, they but feel there mean are, too. But there are enough commanders out there that you can see they're on the battlefield that you can name with this card as soon as it comes down. I mean, if somebody builds a Vanifar deck and you just can't beat it, Frexian mm-hmm. Revoker
2: can help you with that. Nevermore can help you with that. Yeah. Um, all right. The next one is... I actually played... So, I was in Hawaii last year, and I went to an LGS there, and uh, I didn't have my decks with me, so I was borrowing decks, and somebody let me borrow a Toshiro oh. Umazawa deck. It's one black black for a legendary creature, Human Samurai. A 2 has Bushido 1, so whenever this creature blocks or becomes blocks, it... Uh, gets plus 1 plus 1 until I'm to turn. That doesn't matter. But it says whenever a creature in opponent controls dies, you may cast target instant card from your graveyard. If that card would be put into a graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So every time an opponent's creature dies, you snap cast her an instant. Yep. It's very very powerful and it chains together really well
1: because if the reason that the thing died was because you cast, because an you cast it, yeah yeah yeah, you get <laughs> yeah. a double use out of your terrors and all that, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I like to share a lot. I could see it in blue black decks, black red decks, um, just basically anytime you have valuable instants in your graveyard because creatures are gonna be dying all the time. And if it's like, hey look, I passed the turn holding up. One spell in my hand, one activated ability, and potentially, like, five spells in my graveyard. I think that flexibility is pretty good, especially on a creature that seems pretty innocuous at first. The deck I played was super sweet. Um,
2: This is the first time I've ever played it, Mm -hmm. so I made a few little mistakes because it's pretty intricate. But that is a fun deck. What was the coolest thing that you could do or did? I don't remember. I think afterwards, there was some, like, Tainted Strike-type stuff, Mm -hmm. hatred stuff, because you can get that stuff back. Right. And... A lot of the lines are like, okay, if I kill that creature, then I can cast this, which allows me to kill that, which then I can cast this, oh, and you're trying I to like see. figure out these chains. And it's, it's, it's a lot of like mental work. Yeah, but it's fun. It's totally fun. Yeah. Uh, the next one I put on the list, and because of the statistics episodes, the data episodes we did with DJ, and one of the big things we learned was that the the player that gets the most lands into play in a game just has a huge advantage. Right. And so missing land drops and not just that, but but putting extra lands into play. We talked for a long time in those episodes about Burnished Heart, a card that neither DJ and I really loved, but had just performed fairly well in the yeah. sample. And we just kind of hypothesized that like anything that puts lands into play is just a little better than we think. And this card, it does see quite a bit of play now. I think it's in like 14,000 decks on EDH Rec, but it probably should see even more. It's probably in non-green decks, probably all of them want this. It's Wayfarer's Bobble. It's one mana for an artifact, and then you pay two and tap and sacrifice it. You search your library for a basic land card and put that card onto the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. So it's Rampant Growth for one extra mana, but you can split up that cost between two, two turns. turns yeah. So imagine the green player plays Rampant Growth on turn two. If they didn't play a one-drop and you played Wayfarer's Bobble on turn one you you equal them because they didn't use their mana on turn mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. And so that extra one mana doesn't matter in those cases. And even then, if you're just in mono white, mono red, shoot, I don't care. If you're in Mardu, you probably want this card because right. just having lands, keeping up in the land count is one of the things that's going to help you win more games.
1: Well, think about it this way. Like... What is the thing that's gonna get the most use in your deck out of every other card? What's gonna get tapped the most?
2: Yeah, land, because you're gonna use yeah, it every turn.
1: It's gonna be there every single turn. Yeah. It's not gonna die like a creature with an activated ability. You're just going to be able to constantly use it. Like these are the these are the backbone of your deck, essentially. So, yeah. That's more, why Solemn
2: Simulacrum, I think, is better than is like one of the most placed cards, and yeah. correctly so, Burnished Heart, this, those are the three ways, three big ways to get extra lands into play when you're not in green. That makes
1: sense. All right, I like that a lot. I'm I'm gonna play Wayfarer's Bob more often
2: now. I've definitely been putting it into like basically all my decks that don't have green, hundred percent, which is only like <laughs> five decks, maybe
1: <laughs> six. I think. Um, this last category is called "Take a Second Look." Um, I think a lot of these cards they do see play here and there, but it's when you're making a deck, it's always I think worth it to like take a peek through these cycles and just see and just see would this work? Is this something that I might want to put in my deck? Um, and it's going to be the Sieges. So there's mm-hmm. Frontier, Citadel, Monastery, Outpost, and Palace Siege. Um, you know what's really interesting? What's that? Of those five,
2: I would have thought Outpost would be the most played. Me play. too, the red one, right? But it was Palace Siege. Really? Yeah, it sees the most play. Palace Siege, but why?
1: Uh, I don't know. Well, it's the black one. Oh, you know what? It's because you can bring creatures back from your favorite to It's your so hands.
2: expensive. I've never put it in a single deck, but yeah. it's in quite a few. It's in like 6,500 or something. Huh, interesting. It's uh. We'll just read this one because I don't want to read all five. Yeah, yeah. It's three black, black enchantments. As it enters the battlefield, you choose one of two options. Cons is at the beginning of your upkeep, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So that's every turn you get a card from your graveyard and goes to your hand. That's the one most people choose most of the time. Mm -hmm. But I have seen the other one, which is dragons. At the beginning of your upkeep, each
1: opponent loses two life and you gain two life. See, now that's good because you're draining six total. You're only gaining two, but I think people are mostly doing it if you have to get creatures back, which yeah. I guess a consistent way to do that that will probably not get removed or be high on the priority list of things that need to be removed. It's just okay. so slow. Yeah, well, black decks want to regrow stuff out of their graveyard, yeah, I guess. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, I would have thought Outpost Siege, which is the red one that lets you do an uh, exile the top card of your library and may have to play it this turn. Kind of uh, instinctive draws, I think R&D coined it. Impulsive. Impulsive, right, right, yep. right. Um, there's also the dragon commands, so Dramoka's command, Natarka's, Silumgars, Colagon, and Ojutai. These are all cards that cost between two and four mana. And um, But these are all again flexible cards, and I think that is something that is very meta-dependent. You know, for instance, I think Dromoka's command is my the, my favorite that I like to that I thought I was gonna put in a lot more decks. Um, it's green and white for an instant, and you can choose two. You either prevent all damage target instant or sorcery spell with deal this turn or target player sacrifices an enchantment, or put a 1-1 counter on target creature, or target creature control fights target creature you don't control. You get to choose two of those. It's, yep. These are really flexible spells. They could fit into a lot of different decks. Consider, uh, basically, like if you need it in your meta, if you think it's just powerful, if it works well with your commander. Just the chance. sacrifice and enchantment is actually pretty good. Yeah. You Especially know, if they play, spend their whole turn playing a big enchantment. Um,
2: I think all of these are better than they look because you you know you can find one mode that's really good right now, and then a second mode that's kind of gravy. Yeah, yeah. I think Silumgar's is the best in Commander. I I feel like I've seen that one the most.
1: Yeah, I think Silumgar, and then maybe Ojutai, Dramoka next. Um, and then of course there are the lesser used in my mind the original commands l- the ones that are not used used as much as like cryptic command uh mm-hmm. profane incendiary incendiary and primal again just look at them i play incendiary command in a lot of my red decks that's um, the least played one i think yeah but it, sometimes it just does so much work I profane mean, maybe,
2: command is actually sneaky good and yeah. uh, i've well, been seeing it games. more and more yeah because yeah. like, sometimes it'
1: just like well, kill you <laughs> you die yeah um That's basically the list. I mean, the average cost of these cards, I put them all in the tapped out, is just under $4 on average per card. Some of these cards are in like the $0.25 to $0.30 range. Right. A lot of them are under a buck. Um, There's a few that are like bringing up the average. Yeah, Tireless Tracker, Spell Queller, Culligan's Command. These are all cards that are played in formats that we don't play. Right. Um, But at the same time, I think this is a good way to like also keep an eye out when you're opening new packs from something like Ravnica Allegiance or even Guilds of Ravnica to be like, hey, you know what? This card is better than I expected. And it may be something that works, you know, like whenever I crack packs for fun, sorry, I know Blasphemous, I always separate, I always separate, you know, the three or four cards that I think like, you know what, this has just enough value slash potential that I'm gonna put it to the side. Um, And this is a great way to think about cards, I think in general, because it will make you potentially brew with a little more flexibility and creativity instead of just going straight to the linear, this is the best way to win deck. Which I know is something that we always talk about on the show in terms of optimizing and all that stuff, but I, you know, it's, playing with Craig definitely opens my eyes to that side of things sometimes. Where you're like, "Wow, Willow Sader, actually really good." I think when uh, we talked about this on some of the deck tech
2: episodes, whereas like I'll use like five. Slots maybe in a deck Mm -hmm. for like cards I think are probably good but I haven't had a chance to try out a lot because I'm never going to find out if they're good if I don't put them in a deck and try and play them. Right. And a lot of times those are the cards you find out oh that's way better than I thought but you'll never find that out if you Mm -hmm. don't try it out. So I'd say like having a couple flex slots in your deck and just being like I don't know I think this might be good you put it in okay it's not take it out put in another one and, and just Allow yourself to try some cards out.
1: Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? You find a better card than you thought it was? I mean hopefully all these cards are gonna do something. Yeah. And again, I think some of them are meta dependent, whether yeah. or not your your playgroup, you know, you need to get rid of enchantments, you have to terminus the board or halibarrio it and all that stuff. To the listeners, you can already guess what we're gonna ask you. Are there any cards in your decks that you think have big impact but aren't played as often as you think they should be? Yeah, what are the cards you know about that you feel like nobody else does. Yeah, give us more fuel for the next time we do this topic. <laughs> that's right, actually that's definitely
2: right. Go to Twitter, tweet at us, uh, please comment, just give me a list because we
1: tend to talk about underrated cards a couple times a year. So. Yeah, and, and they seem to be pretty popular episodes, I think because of budget and constraints that people have. You There's know. so
2: many cards, man, it's impossible to know about. There's still cards where people play and I'm like, I have never seen that, what? Yeah. There's yeah. a card that does that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> And if there is a player in your playgroup that does that, look ask to look through their decks, honestly, because if you know if that's their style, they're probably gonna have some other hidden gems in it that you never knew about. And then what you can do is you can write down the name of that card and you go
2: to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and you add it to your cart and you order it and you put it into your decks because those cards are awesome and you want yeah. them. Yeah. Also, Ravnica Allegiance just came out. Smothering tithe, I think that's the the most likely to go in a bunch of your decks that you're mm-hmm. gonna need. You know, just Don't crack packs for that. Like, Jimmy was just talking about just order <laughs> just order a few of them singles that's true yeah and some packs so you can draft with your friends yeah that's true or you can play pie Gal magic yeah yeah we yeah. taught everyone how to play the magic on uh, episode. you know i
1: think you guys have to teach me at some point because that sounds really fun okay so maybe we'll do a video we're actually renaming oh, it i think fun. we want to call it booster blitz booster blitz i yeah, like booster that. blitz so maybe like we'll do that. a video on pie magic which is my favorite way to crack packs but not feel super guilty that i'm just cracking them you know the next time i buy a box i'm going to crack each pack and then keep it in the pack put it back in so we can draft it later but i know what i got yeah there
2: you go um (laughs) so car slash command zone that's gonna fill all your magic needs and when you get all that stuff you know you're gonna want to dress it up feel ultra yeah you're gonna want to so you also want to get the ultra pro stuff to dress up your deck you know you want the right sleeves the mats the deck boxes incredible play mats you want the awesome Heavy Metal or Gravity Dice.
1: Those are so sweet.
2: Yeah, they're very, very sweet. And Ultra Pro just has tons of awesome stuff. You can find them on on online retailers like Card Kingdom or even at just your LGS. They're all over the world, Mm -hmm. and they're well-known for making the best products to protect your cards. So supporting our sponsors, as always, supports all of our content. We really appreciate everybody who does that. Okay, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic you know we were trying to come up with an end step before the show and then we switched over to trying to come up with a song mm-hmm. and so we never came up with an end step i
1: still think we should go with the original idea it's something we can talk about easily enough. okay okay yeah this is a good one yeah it's the new year Every, you know if you've, you've been to the gym recently you've seen how crowded it gets around yep. the new year so fitness is our end step it's not the first time we've done this um but it is the first time I think I've done it since actually gone, having gone through a long series of fitness for like six months I mean, you're in the straight. best shape of your life, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. still, which is amazing considering I haven't really worked out that much over the past month. Rut row. Rut row. But it we'll get back to it. It away fast. Don't let it. Uh, Does it? Nah, yeah. I'm good. I'm no, good. Don't, don't let it you want stagnate for, for too long. <laughs> I There's do. a great new place down the road. <laughs> um, Yeah, fitness. Josh, you're you're back in the gym now. What's going yep. on with that? Uh
2: yeah, I just started going back
1: These in aren't big enough? in
2: November. It's not about the arms, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's just a thing
1: that, you know, I do about a half hour, maybe four times a week. Yeah. Maybe 40 minutes maximum. I think the the overall advice I would give people if you're looking to slim down, bulk up, be more lean, look more cut, get bigger, uh, lose weight, do anything in that world. It's just it's not just one thing ever. You know, I think If you honestly just walked and got your heart rate above 180 BPM for 30 minutes every day, just walking on a slight incline on the treadmill, and then ate not crappily, you're going to see changes in your body within the month easily. And you're going to feel better about it too. Basically, like your body is an engine and, you know, humans for being, I hope there's no one on this podcast listening that doesn't believe in in evolution, Um, but You know, way back... I mean, like, think about how much the human body has changed in the past thousand years. Not that much. Right. And a thousand years ago, we were running around. I mean, maybe not specifically, exactly a thousand years ago, but we would chase animals and the way that we would hunt them is outrun them because we would have more stamina than the animals we were hunting. We had horses. Yeah, but like even before the horse days, even before the dog days. i had dogs for 37,000 years. Okay, well, look, you had a spear and you had your feet. Right, right? you had to be physical. But all I'm saying is that like, it's not like we've changed so much as humans that our bodies can't do those things anymore. You look at ultra marathoners, you look at people that can swim incredible distances that do triathlons, the human body is still capable of a lot. So basically, doing something like walking every day is only doing what the human body is basically built to do, which is be mobile on two feet. And I've seen people do this by just even having a standing desk at their work for yeah. 40 minutes at a time, they'll stand and they'll sit. These small things really do add up because your body is built to do that. So yeah. the more you start doing it and the, you know, as long as you're not eating a crap ton of bad food, you're going to become more in shape and healthier. And it just takes a little bit of time, but persistence wins the day. Yeah, I think the biggest
2: thing is just have a plan. You yeah. know, plan it out you really don't need a ton of time you just need 30 minutes a day a day not even every day i'd say four times a week 30 minutes yeah. will, will do wonders for you just walking listen to our podcast but you can't just say well uh, yeah i'm gonna do that you have to go to a calendar and be like okay tuesday 30 minutes here's mm-hmm. the 30 minutes i'm gonna mark out it's gonna be before the kids wake up or it's gonna be after i'm done with work or it's gonna be while i'm at lunch and then on thursday i'm gonna do it there and just yeah plan it out, commit to it, and then it's a lot easier. And 30 minutes, you can't do 30 minutes a day four times a week. No, There's nobody that doesn't have that amount of time available to them
1: somewhere. Yeah, not even like the top CEOs of the top companies yeah. don't have that. In fact, they do purpose i mean think about this the busiest people in the world yeah. understand how important that sort of you know mental and physical health is and they'll put it into their schedules because it, it means a lot but i think if you don't like actually make the plan and and pick the days yeah it's just too easy to not do it you yeah. have to just commit i'm gonna do these days during this time and it's so easy to do I'm, I'm serious walking 30 minutes if you don't even want to lift a single weight ever just lift your legs and walk somewhere uh, it'll walk up and down some stairs i even like the other day.
2: Uh, I was at my house and Mm -hmm. I was feeling like, uh, I didn't go to the gym that day and I should have. And I have stairs in my house. And I was like, oh, I'm just gonna run my stairs for 30 minutes. And I just ran up and down my stairs for 30 minutes. I'd do five minutes and then take like a minute break. And I was sweating like crazy and I was super sore the next day. Wow. And I just did that in my house. I bet Luna was like, what is happening? I actually made my dog run with me (laughs) because I was like, oh, I can exercise her too. And I would carry like a little treat. So run up the stairs give her the treat, run down, call her down, she'd come down. Yeah, Yeah, she
1: was like, she was huffing and puffing by the end too, so. I think the Stairmaster is also one of the best things at the gym for just that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, my friends that, I know a couple of friends that climb mountains, like 18, 19, 20,000 feet. How do you prepare? How do you train? Do you have to do it? I just do the Stairmaster in the gym every day. I'm like, wow, okay. Uh,
2: And nutrition wise, one really easy thing is just cut out your liquid calories. Yeah. That'll make a huge difference for almost everybody out there, is if you're just like, instead of whatever I'm drinking all the time, if there's any liquid calories in it, I'm just going to drink water. Yeah. You know?
1: That's it. Get addicted to water. Make your make your body want to have more water in it every day by just drinking more water. A lot of people are like, I don't like water that much. Totally fine. Totally fine.
2: Just get through it. You don't have to like it. Just get through it. How do you not like water? A lot of people don't. They yeah. just got used to soda, right? And sweetness. Yeah.
1: yeah that's the thing. Um we are all addicted to sugar yeah like it or not every human almost in the world i feel like is addicted to sugar you just gotta rewire
2: your brain to be like listen i'm not drinking this thing for pleasure it's just because i need Mm -hmm.
1: to be hydrated and And if you need that fizzy feeling drink a, a sparkling water you know it's not the end of the world it won't be as super sweet as something like a coke is A lot of people will just look
2: better in general if they're more hydrated, too, if they just drink more water. Mm -hmm. Most people are naturally in a dehydrated state because soda will definitely dehydrate you. It has a ton of sodium and stuff in it, and a lot of drinks will.
1: Uh, Alcohol will, too. Well, here's a common misconception. You're not being dehydrated. You're just not being as hydrated. Right, right, Because it's still water in there, right? You're getting some liquid in there, but your body needs actual water. And so it's going to take everything it can, and the rest of it's like, ugh, what am I going to do with all this high-fructose corn syrup? One thing I fat. used to
2: always do is I would go to the water, water cooler at work to fill up my water and I would just drink a full glass oh, and, do it and again. fill it and bring that back. And yeah. then when I drank that at my desk, every time I went back to the to the water cooler, I would just drink a full glass so yeah. that I
1: was just getting twice as much water. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to overhydrate. I'll say yeah. that much. Yeah. In general, I would say vast majority of humans are under hydrating or, or are in the constant state of slight dehydration. Yeah, so it's okay. tough, but that's easy. I mean, that's like the smallest, easiest thing. My number one nutrition tip If you want to start shedding pounds, just try to remove all complex carbs from your diet after 5 p.m. Don't be eating bread, rice, all those things after then. Just keep your meals to veggies and fruits. I can't do it. I know, but you can do it in the mornings. You know, it's like putting fuel in your body that it's not going to
2: use later at night. It's like that thing I'm always saying where you can't tell people they're never going to have french fries again. Yeah. Yeah. You can just do it like once a week. Yeah. Makes sense
1: eat six fries instead of the whole bag there you go (laughs) (laughs) all right speaking of modern
2: earlier you know he made that joke about some guys that like know about modern because we clearly don't well those guys are named alex kessler and ben bateman and they have a show a podcast it's our sister podcast it's called the masters of modern they talk about spoiler alert the Modern Format, and all things competitive magic. Wow. They also recently started doing video content, so if you go to YouTube and type in Masters of Modern into the search bar, they're going to pop right up, or you can find them on Twitter. They're at the MMCast, or you can find them right next to us at Collected.Company. Yeehaw. Our editor for the show is
1: Josh Murphy. Murphy and special thanks to jeffrey palmer he makes the living card animations that are often behind us and of course that start and end the show on youtube.com slash the command zone podcast we got cabal stronghold today yeah, this one is a, it's one of my favorites
2: it always reminds me of
1: the dark portal from the uh, world of warcraft or i guess oh yeah yeah, I yeah, guess yeah, I guess yeah. The, the one where RTS. they all came in through originally yeah. yeah 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 the one that was in the movie warcraft movie too right 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 yeah that's yeah. where
2: the orcs come from originally yeah that's not though. It's where it's the cabal stronghold. It's, yeah, it's not the cabal actually. Stronghold. Yeah, it's helping you tap for a lot of black. Yeah, man. We are not sponsored by Blizzard or World of Warcraft.
1: Orcs are what? Green, green, black, green, red. Uh, gruel. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think yeah. there are orcs in Ravnica Legions, right? Yes, there are. I'm thinking st- if you had to do the Warcraft orcs, because a lot of them are necromancers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, then I would think they would be like black, definitely black, because they have like that rot spreading stuff that kind of yeah, falls yeah, around yeah, something. Yeah. Well, or is that the blight? Is that just the, the corrupted? Orcs. orcs yeah well because i would say like arthas is black right The when he gets corrupted afterwards true he's yeah. like black blue black, probably blue black blue white black, esper blue. yeah maybe because he's all snowy i don't know and Frozen. Is, there a,
2: was a warcraft um card game i never played it though
1: there was i didn't yeah. play it either yeah. just played the mmo for way too long all anyway right. jeffrey palmer living cards mtg on twitter <laughs> that's, that's, you get two insteps today <laughs> two insteps yeah all right everybody thanks for watching and we'll see you next time peace